This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the various Iron Hands lists you'll encounter in the tournaments, how we are personally designing our lists to counter those lists. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Psychic Awakening rules and the results from this weekend. However, None of those things are going to be the main topic of today's episode. Today's episode is going to be about game design philosophy, definition of what a healthy 40k metagame looks like, and what Games Workshop can do to fix the potentially big problem Iron Hands, and to a degree the Space Marine faction poses to our great hobby. Yes, this is a letter to GW saying, we're worried, and here's what we think you can do to maybe fix the game a little bit. All right. Quick caveat, though. Not for all of us, buddy. Like, some of us out there are actually happy. Hashtag, I've been a Marine player forever. Hashtag, it's my time. (laughs) And we're going to talk a lot about that. So there's there's definitely a lot of discussion going on the line, a lot of good back and forth. Um, I think everyone's in agreement that there's at least maybe one or two things that GW can definitely look at and and redo. Uh, But there's you know, how much GW should change to what degree to how severe everything looks. That's all of course opinions. And I'd love to hear what you guys think at the end of the episode, go to the YouTube comment section, frontlinegaming.org, go into the Facebook posts, wherever, and voice your opinion. I think it's more important that we have this discussion to have an opinion. So we can email that over to GW, uh, then just not talking about it at all. Also, Scary, my bad. I didn't mean to lump you in there with the rest hey, of the Hey man, as long as there's enough slaves for me to take back to the docks, is yeah, I'm all, I'm all good. All right. Uh, of course, we have Mr. Scary from Scardcast, uh, co-host, newly minted, been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, of course, we have Mr. Brandon Grant with us as well, a holdover from last week's lost episode, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have Mr. Sean Abuse Puppy Morgan making his official official stamp back on 40k Chapter Tactics after a long hiatus of stewing and deciding how he's going to take over the world. It's not going well, apparently. One sound bite at a time. Well, at least I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I think I think Sean actually DC'd right as, as I introduced him, which uh, unfortunately he's having a little bit of a connection issue. It's also funny as the, the last episode that uh, he also DC'd right when I introduced him. So I think he's just trolling me at this point, but we're going to trudge on. 
Uh, this episode was brought to you by the brand new Frontline Gaming Network, Frontline Gaming, and of course, the amazing patrons over at our Patreon. Patrons get access to the Facebook group and Discord where they get to ask us questions at the end of every episode that we answer uh, and are eligible to win a special prize every month. This month, I decided to, I wanted to give away something extra, extra special that we need hope. I'm just kidding. I'm going to be giving away a Pharos model painted by our paint studio. I know you guys want that more than hope. You, Chapter you... tactics. Uh, we're so cheap with our giveaways. We give you hope. Hope. Uh, no, one Pharos model painted. I know that's what you netlisters really want. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, if you want to win that, all you have to do is sign on patreon.com slash chapter tactics become a standard patreon that's just for the low low price of one starbucks a month you can sign up and support the podcast all right so before we begin i wanted to make a quick announcement to let you know what was going on uh, i wanted to apologize i want to apologize for the lack of an episode last week uh last week we filmed well, we put in the time i edited it and then um you, you know while i was editing it, i realized a big portion of Brandon's audio was gone. In addition to some really bad audio qualities, just due for, from some connection issues that we were having last week. Uh, you know, I worked really hard on it. I tried to get it to a point where it wasn't too bad. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't think, I didn't feel like it was uh, high enough quality to put out to the general public. Um, I just, I, I wasn't comfortable with putting it out. There was just so many pieces missing. Um, so I chopped it up uh, and I kind of condensed it down into uh, a more intimate, more kind of like freestyle form, um, and I put sent that over to the Patreons. So if you are a patron and you're interested in that, or if you're interested in listening to that lost episode of Chapter Tactics, you can head over to our Patreon page, sign up for Patreon, and then you can listen to it. And it's a good episode. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, there might be a little bit of repetition between this episode and that episode because we are covering kind of the same topics, um, but that that is what it is. Uh, so if you want to check that out, sign up to be a standard patron. All right. Before we begin, Psychic Awakening is coming. It's right around the corner. There should be a nice little introduction to it on Signals from the Frontline. Uh, and Scary as the um, Scary and Sean as the two resident pointy ears on the podcast. Uh, what are your kind of first impressions of Psychic Awakening? What have you seen? Um, how, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Starting with Sean, who I think just reconnected. Um. I think in the general sense, it's a good book. Um, the aspect powers are kind of uh, some neat little toys for the craft world players to play around with. The new traits for both craft worlds and uh, Drakari are both handy. Um, they tweak Yunari a little bit to give them a bit of help, which is nice. Um, but I do it's obviously much less of a change than the Marine books are and the Marine supplements. Um, and it's certainly not the answer to the problems we're seeing right now. Uh, so, you know, it, it's fine. It's okay. It would have been nice if they changed the core track craft world traits rather than just adding a list of new ones, but uh, it's an okay book. I'm going to jump in here and say, I really enjoyed it. I've been uh, just Flipping through the pages, there's a lot of cool dynamics. I think anybody who enjoys Aspect Warriors um, is, is really going to enjoy the new Aspect Shrine Powers. Um, things like Warp Spiders uh, being super mobile. Again, things like Crimson Thunder Exarchs being even crazier than they were before. 
And even things like uh, Swooping Hawks, getting some really cool utilitarian kit or Shining Spears that I feel breathe some new life into the units if used properly. You know, yes, this book does come in the wake of a, a, a sort of like a typhoon of space releases that's really shaking up uh, the conception of what people think the meta is right now. And it's in like a time where there's going to be a lot of readjusting people are going to have to readjust to the meta we're going to be talking about that and game design and whatnot however it's got a lot of cool stuff in it personally i do play dark eldar so i've been testing out all the cool new obsessions there are a couple of really neat combinations that i'm that i've been trying out and i'll tell you drazar is an absolute tank and he is awesome he's uh, he can he can severely wound even things like a knight in a single round of close combat. So I'm very excited to uh, to tr try and squeeze him into the lists as a bit of a a bit of a blitz uh, counterattack unit in my army. Um, yeah. So I, I mean I I don't know much about it. Just from my per first impressions, um, from what a little I could glean from it, it looked like Dark Eldar's were the bigger winners of the book. That, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, so they did get a lot of cool stuff in, in their successor or their whatever they're called. Their the mixed rules, Ob faction rules, successor chapter equivalents, yeah. obsessions. Thank you, thank you, Sean. Um, the and they also get to use them a little better than Eldar do because they have access to like Witch Cult and then their other other two factions. <laughs> Sorry, Dark Eldar players, I'm totally butchering your faction right now. Um, and of course, I thought that you know, the Eldar aspect warrior is really cool, and obviously the buff to the Crimson Hunter Exarch is, is awesome. But I, I just felt like Eldar didn't get as much stuff that they were maybe could use. Well, in, they're in they're giving up a. Uh a thing they're more reliant on in most cases. Um, you know, Dark Eldar's obsessions are useful, but they're generally not core to the build, whereas the Ally Talk penalty is what Eldar have been living off of since their mm -hmm. book was released. Uh, and if you're giving that up, you have to be getting something really, really powerful in return. Yes. Right. Now, let's not forget about Inari, because Inari got, uh, they, they didn't really change it, but uh, all the characters went down in points, and that alone, uh, there's a lot of people who've been uh, playing around with adding the Incarn to like multiple small unit Venom spam style armies, and having mm -hmm. even that one model go down, uh, go down over 50 points is like really worth looking at putting in some uh, mixed Eldari lists for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 incarn is really good. The incarn's always been kind of like, I don't want to say fringe playable because it, it's been it's been a solid model, but it's always been kind of you know um, a thinking man's model where where I've seen a lot of really good players do really well with the incarn, um, but in general I don't see it being played that much. Uh, yeah. Also, Iverine lost a wound. Oh really? I believe she went from I six to five that. wounds. Huh. The Incarn is pretty useful just for taking if you're doing double Blackheart Battalion and you need that fourth HQ slot. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mileage you can get out of it, and its big problem always has been that its cost is just a bit too high for how easy it is to kill. Uh, so bringing that cost down by, you know, almost a fifth uh, is a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit later about about um, what Sean and Scarry are going to add or are planning to add from the Psycho Weekend book to their armies um, in their future 40k games. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the main topic. So Iron Hands this weekend had um, 
what looked like a very historic showing. Uh, they were just absolutely dominant. They had 12 first place finishes in tournaments of three rounds or more, um, which which is nuts. Um, they were in almost every top four. They were in almost every top four uh, in tournaments. Um, they had if once you took out the mirror match, which of course um, dilutes their overall performance. Um, the percentage uh, they had almost 80% win percentage against the field, and this is this is Iron Hands. This isn't one list. Uh, the last time we saw a list that was performing that well was the Castellan, Blood Angels, and Astro Militarum list of the old Eighth Edition, or I guess in the past, which which I guess wasn't too far away ago now. Well, even that list didn't come anywhere near this kind of win percentage, I don't think. It, 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 the highest it ever spiked to was like 76, which, I mean, we at the time we rounded up to 80%. Yeah. Because it, it was, 76 was like high. I think there's <laughs> there's a, a key difference here is not everybody owned a Castlin or a bunch of Catachins, yeah. you know, or mm-hmm. a bunch of Light Angels, whereas everybody kind of like has collected Space Marines at some point in their lives. And now they go, wait, I've got three Storm Talons hiding in a closet and they can be Iron Hands and be amazing. Yeah. And they don't really have to wait a period of time. They just go, let's put it on the table. And it hasn't given the meta time to adjust at all. They've just kind of come into the meta like a sledgehammer and yeah. and it's going to take time for people to adjust to it. Yeah, and, and to your point, Ascari, uh, before I know, Brandon probably has some more he wants to add to this, um, is these Iron Hands lists are all different. They're not the same list, uh, like with the Castellan list, which, which I think is the, the big the big difference there, is the Castellan list, when it was, had this high win percentage, was almost the same list. You could kind of predict roughly. Sometimes they threw in some Custodes, Jet Bike Captains in there. Sometimes it was Pure Guard and a Castellan, but it was always the same kind of models. In this case... Uh, in some cases, some of the large tournaments, there wasn't even a repulsor in the top four, but you still had two or three Iron Hands lists doing well or making it to the top tables. Yeah. Uh, there, there. I think there is a list, quote-unquote, that's the list that everyone's going to gravitate towards, um, but just the fact that, that it had this really, really good outing this weekend with so many... For, so, so uh, such a variety of lists um, just really makes it look not great. No. All right, Brandon, go ahead. Oops. So, just as a case in point, um, if we went to the Battle of Salvation and look at the list from Nick Rose, who won the event, there is not a single repulsor or flyer in the list. Mm-hmm. So, even all the stuff that everyone's saying, oh, this is so good, it's very powerful, yes, but you can make a list like this one, which is... Um, actually a brigade and -hmm. it's an iron hand successor which a lot of these lists were and it combines master artisans and stealthy yep um so we have in nick rose's list a captain on a bike with a power fist storm shield and chapter master a librarian with a jump pack a librarian phobos armor a tech marine on a bike and then an incursor squad of 10 an intercessor squad of 10, a scout squad times four, uh, three Invictor Warsuits with Iron Hail Heavy Stubbers and the twin autocannon, uh, three Landspeeder t- Typhoons with Heavy Bolters, uh, two Eliminator squads, and a Thunderfire Cannon. And that's his list. Yeah, yeah so, it's very simple, and it's just very straightforward, but all stuff that he probably had sitting on a shelf. Yeah, that's Sean, right. You know 
I was just going to say that, like, you know, this is sort of what I had been saying from the beginning, is, like, the Repulsor list is the thing everyone is scared of, but it's not the only list or even necessarily the best list. And kind of to Skari's point, um, obviously the meta has not adjusted to Iron Hands entirely, but we haven't seen the best Iron Hands list. No one came out on, you know, day 15 of the Imperial Knights Codex and said, well, here is the Castellan list. It was months mm -hmm. afterwards that we really saw that ball get rolling. And that's going to be the case with Space Marines as well. Yeah, we haven't even had a super major yet since the Iron Hands Codex is released. You know, we're, the SoCal Open is coming up. That'll probably be where we see the or a, maybe some form of the list, if not the list. Uh, you know, and then of course the LVO is coming up. But it's it's you're absolutely right, Sean. Uh, the supplement's only been out for 15 days, um, and uh, quite frankly, the top players haven't had enough time with it to make an amazing list. Yeah, so these are, the lists we're seeing now are the weak versions of Space Marines. And if they're getting 80% win rates with the weak versions, I don't even want to think about what it's like with the strong ones. Yeah. Now, I've been thinking hard about about what that meant for uh, 40k, not in terms of what it means now, but in the future. Uh, what I mean by that is, what it it's looking like there might be like three lists maybe that might be really well that might be the lists or if it focuses down to one list which do you think would be healthier um and i've been kind of asking myself going back and forth and i wanted to ask the three of you before we moved on um if if we do finally get finalized versions of the iron hands list and, and everything stayed the same there was no faq change nothing happened uh, which do you think would be healthier for the meta? Three Iron Hands lists that are all very different, like like Dreadnoughts, Repulsors, Flyers, just as a hypothetical, or one Supreme Iron Hands list that everyone knows is the best list uh, and everyone tries to build? Well, you definitely want more variety in 40k yeah. as a whole, so if there's more lists that are viable, that's great. There's no that problem with that. That is healthy, but it's also harder to build against. Yes, because yeah. instead of having one list that you can sort of, oh, okay, at least the Castlin Blood Angel list was pretty similar, like down the line, and it was about the same over and over and over. So you could sort of plan for different elements when you have a book that is so varied, which I think is amazing. I think that's the healthiest part. But when you have a book that can be so varied, it really tests other people's skills to be able to build and put stuff together that can deal with multiple different threats from the same sort of army. And that's, well, that's just tough to your in point, general. in a vacuum, yes, we want every army to have multiple viable, build, viable builds. But if we have an army that, as a prerequisite to the conversation, has an 80% win rate and has multiple builds that are viable, that is a problem that there are multiple builds because if you're playing against one specific build, which is a mess of guardsmen plus a knight and maybe some sprinkles of space marine captains on top of it, you can plan around that. The Castellan only comes with one weapon loadout that anyone ever takes, so you know what it's efficient into, and you know that there's going to be certain units in that list and a certain play style to it, so you can build your list around it. Um, for example, we saw Sean Naden do that at LVO this year, where he had an Eldar list that was completely off the wall, but very well tailored to deal with exactly the kind of meta... Castellan list that was out there. So even though his list was not 
perfectly optimal against the whole field, it was very well optimized against that one list. So yes, if we have an 80% faction win rate and there's one faction build, you can plan around that and sort of even it out more than it would have been. But if there's three builds that are all totally different, then his list falls on its face two-thirds of the time against that faction. Yeah. Agreed. The the other thing the yeah. the other thing that is worrying if it's... if you have three lists or if you have multiple lists that um that are the viable lists is that more players are gonna gravitate towards that faction. So if you had like three styles of lists of Iron Hands lists, one they're all completely different. One's like close combat oriented, one has a low model count, and one has a lot of cool looking infantry models or whatever. Um more players are gonna gravitate to their list and then they're gonna rock, paper, scissors each other, maybe. Um, but it'll pull less players from the player pool of, of running different lists, which will lead to less variety. A lot less variety. I think. Sorry, Sean, go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say that like it there we know that there's gonna be a variety of space marine lists and that a lot of people are gonna play space marines. Um and because there are going to be so many lists, like, it's going to be very hard to counter them. Because, uh, again, like, we're talking about this just in the context of Iron Hands, but there are four other supplements, all of which appear to be fairly powerful. Um, so it's not as though you can even build to beat the specific traits of Iron Hands. Uh, you also have to worry about White Scars and Raven Guard and Imperial Fists. Yeah, that's true. And then... <laughs> <laughs> we we are going to talk a lot about about Iron Hands, um, but the Space Marine faction in general is just very good. Um, it, it's just it's very good, and it's definitely uh, centralizing in the meta. I don't know if it's over centralizing. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but it definitely looks like it's trending that way. All right. So first, uh, before we go into the idea of game design and uh, maybe what GW we think GW can do to kind of help fix some of the issues with Iron Hands, some of the issues with the Space Marines. Um, is why why are we doing this? Why do we need to do this? Um, I have seen a lot of players and people online say that uh, you know a lot of players are jumping the gun. Uh, they're complaining a little too early. We still haven't seen salamanders. We still haven't seen imperial fists, and those are valid points. Um, the, has, the supplement's only been out for fifteen days. Uh, we haven't seen a super major out of Iron Hands, and we're not seeing a the quote-unquote most dominant list or the dominant list. Um, What we are seeing is two weekends of, or I guess like one weekend, because the weekend before wasn't, Iron Hands weren't that dominant, Uh, but we are seeing trending Space Marines doing really well um, in Ultramarines lists and lists when the Ultramarines and White Scars lists come out. And then we do have one really strong results for Iron Hands in this past weekend. Um, And I don't see the trend breaking. Um, So... We definitely have to do it, and the reason why I'm pushing this so hard for this episode is we don't have time to fix, we won't have time to fix this if Iron Hands do become an issue um, until the April FAQ. Chapter approved, they've already printed it, it's, it's already gone. It's, we, they haven't, there's nothing that's going to be in chapter approved that that uh, will affect or they'll address Space Marines. They haven't had the time to vet comments and look at what our reactions to the Space Marine Codex are. Uh, to print four chapter approved. So we're not going to get a fix in December. Uh, we're probably not going fi- to get a fix at the LVO, and GW already said that they are not going to release big FAQs except for in September and in April. Um, so unless GW changes it up with a surprise big FAQ um, in the middle of October, or an emergency FAQ maybe in November, which would be really cool, by the way, um, GW, if, if that is something you can do. 
uh, we won't see a change to Iron Hands until April, which is a very long time from now. That's that's uh, another half a year. Uh, we've seen 40k players leave in that time span. We've seen um, we've gone from Magnus uh, from seventh edition or old old seventh edition if you remember. We went from Magnus to Inari to people claiming that 40k was dying in that in that time frame length. Like it, it's yeah. just it, it's it's not it's not good if if it, this Iron Hands and Space Marines do become over centralizing do become a problem in the meta. It not being addressed until April is is a is a concern for me personally. Yeah. And then, uh, go ahead if you guys want to well, agree or disagree. I was gonna say just to expound on that a little bit. Like people are saying, like, well, just wait and see. You know, give it some time. Give it a couple months. We can't necessarily afford to do that because there's a cost to that, uh, and the cost is in players. Um, people who have a bad experience with the game and who go to tournaments where they play what feels like nothing but Iron Hands, uh, or that they, you know, they do fine, but every time they run into an Iron Hands player, they just lose. Um, those people are going to stop playing. Um, and that is going to be a significant detriment to the game if this is much as a problem as people tend to think it is. Um, so just wait and see is less of an option the more negative yeah. the sort of overall reaction is going to be because you're going to lose players, people are going to stop coming to tournaments, people are going to stop playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and in some cases, a- accuracy isn't as important as perception. Um, y- you know, if it could turn out the Iron Hands are okay. However, if the public perceives that they're super overpowered, um, and they're just dominating tournaments. People are going to stop going to tournaments, even if they're flat out wrong. Uh, unfortunately, you know, as as with I think human nature, um, they will if if masses and groups of people perceive something, they won't do the necessary research to show if that's true or not. They'll just make you know a decision based off of the little evidence they do see, which in some cases might be um, their friends talking about how broken Iron Hands are. Uh, and then they'll use that as the only ba- basis for why they attend or not attend a tournament. Um, so perception is important as well. Um, so even if GW takes the steps to show that they are trying to nerf Iron Hands, and and then we as a community say, okay, Iron Hands are manageable now. Let's let's move on. You know, and then we'll fix it for real in April FAQ. I'll even take that, even if Iron Hands are still really powerful. It, it's just. The perception is what I'm trying to avoid. The perception that Iron Hands are good, um, and it's steamrolling. It's it's not something that that I can stop, even if I, you know, shouted for two hours at you guys that Iron Hands are bad. Like it's just it's not going to happen. The community's already set. Iron Hands are are being perceived as too powerful, as as over centralizing, as unhealthy. It, it's just going to happen. So um, instead of maybe going against that tide, or maybe to take logic, I I want to give everyone NGW. Um, kind of like a discussion, some sort of starting point that GW goes into the Iron Hand Supplement FAQ and fixes something. All right, Brandon Scar, anything else to add? Uh, Nothing yes. to add here for me. So I've lived through all the editions since third edition, so my memory goes back a long way, and I can remember even when the ITC was first getting started, when GW didn't have rules that were perfectly balanced for every army when it came to ultra competitive play the itc made comp adjustments to what was allowed 
in order to make it more fun for everyone. So they never got to a point where you could bring 80% of the armies in the game and do well competitively. Usually it was two to three were the most competitive, and then there was everyone else. But that was still an improvement over uncomped 40k, which I can recall one tournament, all of the finals tables had five Wraith Knights. So it was the five Wraith Knight meta, because the one model was just so good, you could just take only that model and win <laughs> tournaments. Um, I mean, Eldar players don't remember it now, but there was an overcorrection. Regardless, there were steps taken at that time, which involved things like uh, setting limits on super heavies, uh, setting limits on which units could be taken in what quantities, um, setting detachment limits before those existed. Um, there were all sorts of comp that the ITC introduced to the game to try and make it more fun. And I'm not suggesting that we knee-jerk, oh, we had one weekend, we're going to need to comp the game now. But I am saying that those kinds of moves are not unprecedented. And I wouldn't be surprised... This is pure speculation on my part. If Reese and Frankie and the gang were wondering, shoot, are we going to have to bring back comp in this game after all we've gone through to make this an uncomped competitive meta? So that at least should be contemplated and discussed internally at Frontline. I can't offer them <clears throat> solutions, but to Pablo's point, the, I, the whole goal of the ITC is to make competitive 40k as fun and accessible for as many people as possible. And if we get into the December time frame and things really haven't looked up, I'm not sure what's going to happen before Las Vegas or after Las Vegas, but there will be changes at some point, I'm sure. But uh, we're still not in the darkest days of 7th and 6th when um, Death Star has ruled the day and there were, I think two armies it was basically chaos or bark bark star was the seventh edition lvo and it was just ridiculous um so we're not in those days just quite yet um but it remains to be seen can the rest of the meta come up with strategies to deal with space marines because space marines are now the one faction that if you don't plan around you're not going to have a good time yeah they are starting to become sort of like the um beal end all spoiler army essentially like we talk about gatekeepers all the time in the competitive meta this is sort of like epic gatekeeper army they're the gate owners they both own and keep the gate anyways um <laughs> so uh in game design uh there there's a philosophy of um not wanting to give away there's resources so there's uh, there's resources in a game when you're designing it um, for OPness or um, power, uh, and power is a limited resource that you should spread out evenly among your game. Um, this is something that um, you can easily identify in what I call uh, the "and this is good, and this is good" effect, which is basically if you look at a specific faction unit or something, and you keep saying, "Oh, and and this is why you take it, and this is good." And in Iron End's case, it's they have an Iron Stone that gives them Wave Serpent durability, and they have a five up Feel No Pain access, and they have access to five plus Overwatch, and they can give a vehicle hitting on a two plus with a cheap character, and and and, and it's you really start to pile on the the number of good buffs that Iron Hands have. Um, and you can do that. You can chain that with Space Marines and a lot of supplements, Space Marine supplements in general. Um, but Iron Hands have had the longest I've seen. Uh, they just they have so many great things going for them. 
Um, and, and my goal isn't to, for this particular part of the segment, isn't to nerf all of them. It's to identify them and then to discuss with you guys which ones we think are the biggest problem. Um, and so first, uh, we have we have the Ironstone, which I think everyone's looking at front and center. Uh, Brandon and other people have gone on record saying that it's the, the most powerful relic in the game. Uh, so the Ironstone, number one, front and foremost. Uh, do you think it needs to be changed? How would you change it? Um, we'll start with Sean this time. It certainly needs to be changed. Um, I mean, you referenced, like, Wave Serpent durability, and, like, that's a thing, because, like, the Wave Serpents for a long time have been the most powerful tank in a game because of that ability and basically nothing else. Like, all the other stuff they did was not all that impressive, to be honest. Um, and giving that ability to any vehicle you want is amazingly powerful, especially when you can do it for free. Um, how do you change that? There's not a lot you can easily do, honestly. Um, limiting it to just shooting doesn't really solve the problem. Like, it, it, it obviously helps, but it's not a really big change. Maybe if it were, like, pick a single vehicle, that would be fine. But honestly, it's it's kind of a concept that probably shouldn't be in the game. Like broad pluses and minuses to damage are incredibly swingy and in my opinion just should not be part of the basic game design given where things are at um you can conceive of a a, a version of 40k where they're okay but as it stands now introducing pluses and minuses to damage is incredibly strong Sky or Brandon? Sure, I can chime in. So, if it was up to me, uh, it would be non-vehicle character only. This character reduces all incoming damage by one to a minimum of one. So it would only be for the single model. That's still really solid. I can yeah, that would be fine. make an Iron Hands character who is immune to damage. That's really good. Oh, so not to a minimum of one. Or to, to a minimum of one. Oh, like, okay. functionally bouncing LAS cannons off of them. And I say non-vehicle... So we remove the interaction of the Ironstone with the Dreadnought strat, which it halves incoming damage. Yeah. Well, vehicles yeah. can't have relics. Um, it just it says that right on the thing. But I, I understand that, yeah, it shouldn't go on a Dreadnought. Shouldn't, definitely not on a character vehicle. Um, Scary? Do you, do you, I yeah, actually so really like that with the With the Ironstone, like, for example, with different little tweaks and stuff, it's crazy how small changes can make big impacts. Something as simple as Ironstone, pick one vehicle in your army at the start of the shooting phase to suffer minus one damage. Like, something like that would make it still very, very powerful, but not overbearing. Yeah, and I think... In, and I think in a lot of cases, I think GW wants to go with the rule that affects the the rule or or the ruling that affects the rule the least. Um, you know, the more you change, the the more likely you are to make the rule not feel as you intended to. Um, I, I think I really like. I never thought about Brandon Grant's um, thing. We're just making it to the single character because you're right, Brandon. There's like the Shield Eternal does similar things and it gives a three up invuln right so that would that'd be perfectly reasonable no one would take it or very few people would take it at that point because it's only affecting the character but it would still be good be solid 
Um, I, I was thinking just something like it's supposed to be an iron stone that speaks to the machine spirit emanating from you know the the character. Um, so I was just thinking something like rerolling ones on the save, on their uh the flesh's weak save, you know, some something like that to give them a little extra durability. Nothing crazy, you know. It gives your your vehicles a combined like one or two more wounds each, um, something like that. Just something to tone it down. Uh, although uh, the pick one pick one unit or pick one vehicle at the start of the battle round or the shooting phase is, is another one that I think would just be the easiest, most elegant change. Um, but I think we're all in agreement that the Ironstone needs to be changed in some way. It's literally the most powerful relic in the game by a wide margin. Yeah, I don't think anything else even comes close. Hey, I have a lot of disintegrator cannons, so the more that goes away, the better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk about. So let's say Ironstone gets nerfed to a uh, rule that we're all satisfied with. Um, what do you think is the next biggest offender? Uh, first person to chime up for Iron Hands. Phyros. Phyros. Yeah. Now. No. If he was 250 points, people would still bring him. He does have a lot of rules stacked into his neat, neat point cost, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, just on the yeah. most basic level, not only does he auto-heal three wounds, but he can give a five-up invuln, and he also can give a vehicle ballistic skill two-up. Each of those is like a three-point stratagem on its own. And he has all Don't three forget, of them rolled together. He's also tough seven with seven wounds, two up, five up, <sighs> five up, feel no pain. Yeah. And has a decent melee weapon. So he has no weaknesses except that he's slow. Right, which is large. And he's common. got some really cool shenanigans, like with his super consolidate if you make him the warlord and stuff, and like he's and he's hard to pin down as well. And he's this, and he's that. <laughs> yeah, so. it's. Well, I think this is kind of hitting at the fundamental problem of Iron Hands is that they have so many things going for them. Um, it's not really any one thing. Like if it were just the Iron Stone, we'd all be kind of like, well, okay, but you can deal with it by doing whatever. Uh, but it's the sheer number of different rules stacked on top of each other, and all of them working in combination. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Firos, I think, should definitely get a points increase, um, 100%. Uh, the vehicle hitting on a 2-plus and all it's that, bonkers. I can't think of anything, I can't think of anything that's, that's, um, too, that you can fix in there that, without changing him too much. Um, well, I mean, like know, Brandon maybe... said, making him, like, 200-something points, he's still good. Yes. Uh, although a 200, 200 plus Pharos model is is definitely a step in the right, I don't right direction. Um, that's like one less infiltrator squad irons can take, iron hands can take, or something like that. Yeah. That's definitely not insignificant. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, next thing, the moving and no penalty to heavy weapons chapter tactic trait thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would alter that to only affect models with the infantry keyword. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah, uh, that's another thing that, like, that would be an entire faction's chapter tactic on its own. Iron Hands get it as an afterthought. Yeah, if it's going to be an afterthought, infantry only. You count as stationary when firing heavy weapons if you have the infantry mm -hmm. keyword. 
that's actually I think I, I see a flaw with the game itself. I mean, not necessarily Iron Hands. Um, I I just I always look at things like land speeders uh, and Lehman Russes and things like that that uh, suffer the minus one to hit penalty when they move. I mean, Russes um, don't with their turret. It really doesn't. Yeah, they well their 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 top turret doesn't, but their other guns yeah, do. Yeah, the, the top turret is the one you care about. Stuff. Uh, you're sure <laughs> you're right. It's more the principle of it than the actual Lehman Russ. Like I can go into any vehicle. I just happen to pick the Lehman sure. Russ. Um, I I just I just think that uh vehicles or or the in general should maybe ignore that yeah. or maybe I mean, that's a an eighth edition. Yeah, that's thing, that's the thing they they did thing. in like seventh and sixth edition was like vehicles didn't suffer the the heavy weapon penalty. Yeah. but that was a problem because it 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 kind of lost an entire area of game design and balance so i think it being there is good but some vehicles do need to ignore it uh because it's especially right, problematic for the small light vehicles that are supposed to be very fast and mobile yeah okay so here's a question to the panel you know when we we don't really have a hand in game design mm-hmm. right and a lot of the folks out there don't like we could say oh they should have done this they should have done that they should have done this that's very easy to do and it's funny how looking at it in retrospect sort of gives us that that um it's very easy to see issues with that sort of thing sure and kind of find what H- needs to hindsight is easy but <laughs> how how could we as Exactly. Hindsight is 100% easy. And but as a game designer, like you can only imagine what the game designers go through, they see a new model, they put rules to it. They they don't, I feel like sometimes there's, they don't really see the larger impact of some of the things that people at a competitive level will sort of pick and go, ooh, all the good stuff that I can take compounded with all the other good stuff I can take that's good. And that really, really like spearheads the strength of this of this particular unit or army list or build. Yeah. Right. So the question of the panel is: as as people playing against Iron Hands, you know, uh, be barring game design, you know, what sort of things do you think people should be looking at right now to plan for this and to plan to play against this? Ooh, <sighs> this is a uh, this is the after the finals. Oh, I mean, well, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun there. <laughs> Pablo, the just gun be there. like, hey. Get into your webway, Scary. Screw the main topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's barring to the main topic. Fine, fine. It is, it is fine. Great question, like, Scary. We'll address that. We'll address well, that afterwards. And and actually, kind of like you know, to tag off of that, uh, I think sticking to where Pablo wants the conversation to be right now. Um, Scary's right. Game design is hard. Um, it's really easy for mm-hmm. us to see things and like, well, of course the Castellan was too powerful. Of course the Calidus is undercosted, etc. Like we can see all that in retrospect. Um, and I think we do need to give them a certain amount of credit of like, there's so many interactions in this game. It's not really possible to see all of them. Your playtesters are going to catch some problems, but they're not going to catch everything. Um, but it's really hard to look at all of the stuff in the the current wave of releases and look at it and say, well, you know, there's no reason to think this would have been a problem. We They could never have expected this. Um, like, a lot of this is stuff that jumped out to us day one, minute one. Like, the moment any competitive player saw it, they said, oh, that's incredibly good. Um, and especially because it all works together. Like, it it doesn't take any sort of, like, brain trust to say, hmm, well, 
I can reduce all incoming damage and then improve my outgoing damage and then ignore all penalties and then ignore all damage. Oh, I think I can find a way to use that. Um, these are these are all fairly obvious aspects that are extremely powerful. Uh, so I'm I'm certainly willing to say like yeah sure like there's there's a certain amount of like us benefiting from hindsight and broader testing but there's also some very obvious flaws here that I feel should have been addressed at the design level. Yeah. yeah. Now I will say this though before you continue, Pablo. I feel like they nailed the feel of Space Marines bang on. Yeah. Yes. Um like I feel like the just the the story wise of the new Primaris, the Killy like going in and just murder everything they touch. Like I feel like they got that aspect really <laughs> really well. Like there's a lot of variety, like every different chapter does different things. Like I just feel like there's a lot of spice if you're a space room player right now. It's just we're seeing the repercussions of it being like you're getting to eat your cake and bake it and then eat some more later and then have some, you know, frozen for, for lunch the next day. Yeah. They didn't get all the Space Marine chapters right. If they'd gotten Iron Hands right, or if Iron Hands had been like this Ferris Man, so would still be alive. So they got the Iron Hands wrong. Well, but... thinking like that, you can never get ahead of anything. <laughs> but, uh, um... Yeah, it's... Uh... Go ahead, I was, was going to say, to like, Scarry has kind of, in some ways, hit the nail here, like... It's very cool that each of the Space Marine chapters are very different. They did that quite well. Um, and that's something that they've struggled with in the past is, like, how do you make all of these very, very similar armies feel different from each other? Because they're supposed to. Um, the problem is that no one else is on that level. Um, I mean, like, the different craft worlds don't feel all that different from each other the different obsessions don't feel all that different from each other um there's a lot of books that don't have this level of power and that's a problem when you have multiple tiers of books I mean, it's like okay you can either play the winning faction or you can play the losing faction you get to pick <gasps> yeah and and i i this is a theory i think i can kind of identify a little bit where gw went wrong here and i can't really blame them a whole lot um, I can't. It's their job. Space Marines. Uh, that's that's <laughs> fair. The Space Marines we have now are a product of them adding more and more things to Space Marines, and then all of it coming to fruition in this book, right? They, mm. Space Marines have more special rules, uh, army-wide special rules than any other oh, yeah. codex. They have they have and the initial no fear, bolter drill, wings of death, um, the obsec. Like they've got all, everything. They have more things than every other faction does. Uh, they also have more codexes in the version of supplements than any other faction does. Uh, they have access to more relics, warlord traits, and stratagems now than any other faction does. Uh, and then they also got points decreases. They got more points decreases than most factions got. Uh, right. And so it feels like to me, like uh, we were, we, you know, space Marines were, were doing, performing poorly. They weren't performing where GW wanted to. They're the poster child. Um, so GW just started throwing things down the rabbit hole. They just started buying things at Costco for the party. And then now they're at a party that they created with a bunch of space Marine food that no one's eating. And now they're stuck with all this stuff. That's, that's, that's kind of what fair. it feels like. So Pablo, the next thing that we were going to discuss, I think that is now relevant is what can we as players do and possibly as tournament organizers, et cetera, outside of the ITC to mitigate this um, well, 
the Iron Hand supplement and soon to be possibly some other supplements as well. What are some things we can do to change the way the game is played to make it more equitable? Not necessarily perfectly equitable, but more. Well, the the number one thing you should do is email GW and let them know how you feel. Let them know, hey, you know, we need a supp- we need the supplement Iron Hand supplement FAQ to address some of these issues because um, I'm thinking about not buying any more Space Marine models, something like that. Um, everyone should be emailing FAQ. Keep doing what you're doing online. Um, GW definitely is paying attention. They're definitely listening. Um, so that's the probably the easiest thing that everyone listening to this podcast can do is uh, do your part to let GW know as a consumer and as a customer um, what what grievances you have with them or have with the game. Uh, the next thing we can do uh, is look through your codex, go to tournaments, and just play a ton of games against Iron Hands. Everyone. Well, you'll have no choice to. <laughs> you, know, you know, if everyone played Iron Hands, they would only have a 50% win that's rate. True. That's true. That's what we need to do. We need to bring it down. Everyone run Iron Hands. I, I think <laughs> a true. lot that's of codexes true. are going to struggle to find a solution to Iron Hands, in part because they have fairly diverse builds. Uh, and even yes. if we do settle onto a single build that is sort of easier to target, like we discussed earlier, um, I think a lot of the things they do are so generally powerful that they're hard to counter. Like, you can't really counter moving and shooting with heavy weapons because that's that's not really like a counterable feature of the game um so like a lot of their stuff is not going to be easily targetable in the sort of meta sense um in in part because a lot of codexes only have one realistically viable build anyways like necrons are not going to adapt and take their better units it's like "Mm, well i guess i just won't get to use these guys um and there are a number of other books that are in the same sort of space where like they only have one thing they can do and if that thing is rendered bad they're out yeah uh i agree and that's that can be very very frustrating for people newer people people getting into the game people with limited incomes which is most of us (laughs) um uh i I know i i do get the sense that i know you guys want to move on here i'm just i just there's two things i want to talk about uh, in terms of this topic that I want your opinions on, um, and then we'll get going, I promise. So, first is is what I think um, GW should do, um, and, and let me know if you think that this is spot on or completely wrong. Sorry, we can't fix it. But this is basically PD Pob's five-step process to hopefully fix Space Marines a little bit. Uh, the first is, I think Doctrines are way too powerful as they are right now. Yeah. Just a flat AP1 across the board to your whole army makes Space Marines nuts. It's they already got the points decreases. They're already pretty efficient, especially aggressors and things like that. Um, so I, I feel like the doctrine it does its job just by being a keyword or being a thing, right? Um, there's stratagems that specifically let you do things in certain doctrines. Um, there's armies that benefit by being you being in certain doctrines. So I, I don't necessarily think you need the AP one. Um, just by being in a certain doctrine, you already get these benefits that no other army has. Right, so I think maybe removing the AP one from all the doctrines is something that I think GW should consider, or at the very least making it mandatory to move to the next doctrine, uh, so that doesn't mm. let Iron Hands beta strike better. It doesn't let uh, you know Ultramarines go into turn three after they get in range with their bolters. You know, it doesn't let them move that. It lets you plan it. You have to send more CP to move around doctrines and reset your doctrines. 
it, it, it those are two options i think that we need just because i think tactical or i think the doctrines are are one of the biggest offenders like i think if we had to make a list they would be in the top three um you know right up there with the ironstone like the doctrines are uh, i think a big issue um the next thing is i think we need to look at iron hands and we need to look at how how they interact with the rest of the community and we need to give them an identity but right now because of the doctrines they're hyper offensive and they are the most durable faction so they they're both the one of the most offensive even though even if not the most offensive factions and the most durable and they're designed to be durable they're iron hands they're supposed to be that's their thing they're not supposed to die the flesh is weak and all that um so i think taking away the tactical doctrine a little bit limits their offensive power power but i think they should do it a little bit more within the codex um maybe removing the overwatch thing i don't think they needed that it doesn't make a lot of sense from a game design perspective anyways like um, I don't know why Iron Hands would Overwatch better than like Dark Angels or or Ultramarines. You know, it's it's doesn't feel Iron Handsy. Um, also, the two plus state on Pharos should probably go. Anything similar or offensive, the offensive focused in the supplement should probably get looked at or changed in some way or nerfed. Um, I think, and that would give them a clear identity is that they are the vehicle defensive army. It takes forever to kill our vehicles. We might not kill you as hard, but we're gonna we're gonna stick and we're gonna be tough. Um, and I think they should do that for every faction. Uh, but I think with a lot of the supplements, it kind of got away from them, and that a lot of the su- armies kind of lost their identity because they're giving rules that maybe don't necessarily correlate to what their chapter is supposed to feel like or or look like on the tabletop from a rules perspective. Uh, and then finally, I think they need to look at the way the successor chapters things and how that works um with in terms regards to, like taking characters um i think a successor chapter shouldn't unlock the supplement unless it's you take inheritors of the primark and then you take that specific trait right so like this master artisans plus stealth it's like pick your own adventure book into a super op supplement i think that's probably something that you could look at and you're like okay let's just let's just get rid of this the whole system with successor chapters is just a mess. Like, I get what they wanted it to do, but that is not what it ends up doing. No. All right. Did, did I get your vote? Should we move on? Sorry, Brandon. Yep, all good. Okay. I thought you summarized it pretty well, actually. Yeah, I mean... Oh, thank you. L- uh, I put, like, ten minutes Well, Well, and, and here's one other thing that I know a lot of people have talked about. It may just be necessary to not use the supplements. And I know a lot of Space Marine players are going to get really, really angry about that. But the problems are really widespread in them. Um, and it's it may be something we have to consider. I don't necessarily like that idea, but... There, there's so many things in the supplements that are so powerful that it may be hard to curb them all. And yeah. like, we uh, don't want like a 20-page ITC FAQ that is like, use this, but don't use this, and use this part of this, but not this part. Yeah, it, I've been thinking a lot about that too. Um, I think it's a little messier than some people are saying, like to make the supplements legacy rules or something um because that invalidates a lot of bottles that gw sells because of uh you know like the named characters and stuff that they sell um but like space marines are (laughs) short on models to use (laughs) yeah um 
it's also slippery slope if if uh, the ITC, for example, jumps in and selectively bans supplements or all the supplements. Um, because then at that point, yeah, it's it would like, be. Okay, it, well, I think it would be in all of the supplements. They... Like you, you're not going to just ban yeah. Iron Hands. It's like you're either going to say well, no supplements or all supplements. Yeah, I honestly feel like that's not something that'll happen. I'm not saying it's necessarily likely, but it has been discussed, and it. I feel like many of the solutions are gonna end up basically being that. Um, that if we're sort of like, okay, how do we bring Iron Hands below a six, a seventy percent win rate? I just feel like you start pulling the trigger, and it just becomes a slippery slope super fast. So I, mm-hmm. I would advise against doing something like I this. Mean, like then we end up with something like six or whatever, where people didn't play the game, and it was like a hodgepodge of just random house rules all over the place. And I personally feel like just just like we should all take a deep breath, play it out for a little bit. Uh, you know, me- message GW with nice, kind letters. Don't be jerks about get like getting feedback to them because they we do should never be stuff. jerks to them. Right? Don't be yeah. a jerk. If you want to have your opinion heard, tell them. But as tournament organizers, I think we we have to tread very carefully when it comes to changing the game because then we just start. Then we might as well make our own rule set for everything and just play our own set of rules that have nothing to do with what it's been released. Absolutely so- correct. And to uh, add to that. I did mention the nuclear option from 6th and 7th mm-hmm. earlier. Now's not the time to implement it. We're not there yet. Right. But I agree. keep it in the back pocket because worst case, we might need it. Yeah, it, I, and I so agree that play, uh, we, we should be careful, but I think we also should remember the other lesson of 6th and 7th, which is that if things get really out of control, we may have to do that. Um, like... We're talking about, like, remember how bad 6th and 7th was? And it's like, well, also remember how bad 6th and 7th were. Uh, they yeah. had severe it, problems, and especially towards the end, the the game became incredibly over-centralized. Yeah. And, and 7th is a cautionary tale of, of the game getting so bad that we think the game is bad, and the game we think was bad was a heavily comp version of the game that was actually really bad. Yeah. So like we think like Death Stars and Battle Company and the Bark Bark Star and all that were really bad. Well, that was after comping. That was after tons of comps, after several pages of FAQs, right? So that um we're definitely not there yet. Um I definitely am not completely against the idea of uh having TOs get together and ban or remove something or having GW do something like that, at least until they can address it in the April FAQ. So like a temporary shift, um, you know, maybe everyone can sell them back their supplements and then buy them in April when they fix them. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's obviously a joke. Don't do that. Don't, don't suggest that either. Um, but uh, something like that is in place. And to play quick devil's advocate to Skari, Skari, if you're a TO and you have people threatening to not come to your event, uh, and and you know really hurting your local community because of this Iron Hands thing. Um, is there anything that you can do as the as that TO 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 get those people to come to your event still? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you run different format events, like um, run a Highlander event or run a narrative event. You know, that sort of stuff can really sort of spice up the local community. It doesn't have to be competitive ITC all the time, every time. Well. You know, I, well, this is a competitive 40k <laughs> podcast here. Right, 100%. You brought the question up, I'm, Pablo. I'm joking. I'm answering your question, sir. But, but the, um, the, 
but what I'm saying is, is as as a TO, I say somebody's like just being a bummer about Iron Hands. It's like I'm not gonna come to your event because I don't want to play Iron Hands. Well, that's fine. Don't come to the event. This is a competitive event. You know, I'm just gonna be running what the ITC runs. Fine, whatever. I can do whatever I want as a TO. That's great. If you're having like a group of people be super negative about the hobby in general, I don't want them at my events in the first place. But you're right? just you're describing Seventh um, Edition. There is like. Right. Well, 100%. 7th edition was... But that was a systemic... Well, like, this, this is, is a one, systemic problem. This, it's been two weeks. Okay, okay, but... Like, we haven't even had a chance to let people build stuff to crush Iron yeah, Hands. Yeah, because they're yet. all playing Iron Hands. Uh, we, we might not. Yeah. We're going to have one random person who comes out of their basement and is like, my mission in life is to kill every Iron Hand in sight. And they're going to, like, concoct some weird list that's going to yeah. do well at an event and then anybody who wants to beat like Iron Hands will sort of take from that and learn yeah, from that. And we'll I think see. <laughs> it, it, it's not the time for knee-jerk reactions. It's, it's If like, you know, in a couple of months it's like still Iron Hands at the top all the time, every time, yes, there's a problem. You deal with it and then it's dealt with and that's it. And as a community, as long as we decide what to do and it's an agreeable decision, not just for anybody who doesn't play Iron Hands, but for everybody who does play Space Marines and who's been waiting for their time to shine after, you know, literally not being a very relevant book, like, in the first place. I think we have a good dichotomy going here in this discussion. I think there's a lot of good viewpoints coming in from everyone. Uh, all right, let's let's go ahead and move on. Um, so let, let's talk about the the lists that we're designing to perform in tournaments. Um, obviously, Brandon Grant's working on some lists for the SoCal Open. Scary was talking about things he was brewing up. Sean is always constantly computing and data sizing and writing about something. Yeah, but it's um, not <laughs> lists that beat Iron Hands right now. Like well, the factions fair. I um, own just don't beat Iron Hands. Um, the point, and then I've, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm working on a Raven Guards list, and I'm also working on a Salamanders list. I've been working on it for a bit. Uh, I'm not going to say how long, but a bit. <laughs> um, I'm just excited about the Salamanders, um, even though I thought they were going to be as good as Iron Hands, and I don't know if they are anymore. They're going to be really good still. Anyways, so um, starting with, with, with Brandon uh, real quick, because Brandon hasn't spoken in a bit. Um, what are what are you doing to optimize your list to handle the meta? I handle Iron Hands lists, uh, Brandon. And are you going to move to Iron Hands or are you going to stick with Astro Militarum? So, currently, I have no plans to move to Space Marines in, in any capacity. Um, part of the reason is I'm waiting for the Sisters release. Mm -hmm. I've been really looking forward to the Sisters release for years now. Um, from what I'm hearing. I'm not sure if they're going to be as powerful as Space Marines. I'm not sure if anything's going to be as powerful as Space Marines. But that might not stop me from playing them if they're really good. So we'll see. If they're just dead on arrival, like Tyranids in 7th, <laughs> oh man, that would be disappointing. You mean like, um, like Sisters of Battle in literally every edition of the game so far? Um... Right now, they're actually doing a good job of taking Index Sisters to a reasonably playable level. The only problem is that if you want any quantity of models, they're all pewter models. Yeah. So I really don't like that. When they have a bunch of plastic kits, I'm really going to like the models. <laughs> so there's that. But otherwise, for now, yeah, totally planning on sticking with Guard. I think Guard have quite a few tools 
the they do have their weaknesses. Everything that they have has significant drawbacks. But I think that if I build a list that can play to the mission very well and can clear out uh, magic boxes uh, and can play around with reserves uh, so that when I get screwed on tables, um, I at least still have models left after going second. Uh, I think that I can make a game of it. Mm. So I'm not saying that my list has an advantage over Space Marines, but at least I think I can put a good game into any Iron Hands list at the moment. I'd give them at least a 70% chance of winning, though. So to go into a little more specifics, Brandon, what are, what are you taking? What are you outflanking? What are you, what are you doing? Astro Military and players I think are curious. Um, so right now, the deadline is the 18th. Uh, I can talk fully about the list after that deadline, once everyone Aww. else has submitted their list. <laughs> but I've already given you some previews, so um, yeah, good luck at the SoCal Open. I can give a rundown of the list if you'd like after the deadline, but um, yeah, the rundown you really want is the rundown of what happens at the event when I play Iron Hands and how That's it goes. True. It's true. All right, good stuff. Look, good, exciting stuff to look forward to. If you are a patron, might even do a one-on-one interview with Brandon. He's used to those. Scary, you are not as worried about space rains as a lot of other people, and I love your optimism. Do you want to share a little bit about why that is? Don't get me wrong. Every time I've played the Repulsor Executioners up to now, they've crushed my face, whether it's Iron Hands or Ultramarines. Um, so it's not that I haven't had my issues with them. I just know that it's because I have not as much experience as I would like playing the matchup. I don't think it's an it's not a winnable game for me. However, my list itself has developed to deal with more heavy armor. Um, namely because the list I've been playing this year, I've been moving away from Coven and I've been bringing in more Cabal and Witch Cult, which lacks in a lot of punch uh, firepower. So things like knight heavy lists like uh, four Tyrannus Knights or Crass Crusaders um, or the Executioners have really proven to be an issue so far. Therefore, m- the latest iteration of my list had uh, the inclusion of two Void Raven Bombers for the Strength 9 Lances, which I found to be very, very useful. Um, in those two specific matchups, and then the bombs and stuff like that in other matchups, like Genes to the Cult, or um, you know uh, matchups with uh, I don't know things with invulnerable saves or whatnot. And the other thing I've added in is a, uh, a Dark Creed Reaper, which is a Forge World Dark Eldar tank. It's like a Ravager mm-hmm. with a big gun on it that uh, can snipe characters with D6 last cannon shots, essentially. So (laughs) There's a stratagem that lets the Dark Creed let one of their units shoot at a character, uh, and because (laughs) the Reaper, like most of the vehicles, can have any alignment, you can make it Dark Creed. Exactly. Well, and also, like, GW, (laughs) because one of the things that's easy to forget is, like, all the transports and vehicles and stuff can have whatever thing so all of the obsessions are balanced for having them on the various you know infantry units and whatnot but they also apply to all the vehicles that's right so having uh like that it, it's been a fun toolkit thing that i've used essentially to help snipe out stuff like the guy with the iron stone or the forge father just give me a better chance at dealing with that pesky character that i need to make sure is murdered because he's 
providing a lot of support for units around him. Really useful in the like TJ Lanigan, Jim Vessel style list as well, like the classic Plague Bearer list, because you can, they don't really do a lot of outward shooting, so you can sit back and really pound these characters into submission. Like if Armand shows his face or whatever, D6 last cannon shots to the face. Yeah. So. Um, so that, that little bit of tech has really sort of kind of helped my list in a lot of different situations. However, Psychic Awakening and the release of Phoenix Rising I've, has really got my brains turning. You know, Venoms with two damage and plus one to wound and Raiders with Disintegrated Cannons that do three damage and plus one to wound. And, uh, you know, it's just there's so much cool stuff that I feel like I won't be as pressed for options to find something that's going to help me in the specific matchups. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Sean, do you have anything to add? Little nuggets? Not a lot, unfortunately. Um, there's, I, I think the unfor- the unfortunate part of it is that there are a lot of armies that don't have good solutions to some of these things, uh, and that's kind of what I have found myself in. Is like, I would love to find a, like a Craft Worlds list that can consistently be- beat all the flavors of Space Marines but I'm not seeing it so far. Um, it may be that someone else yeah. will come up with something. I'm kind of, I'm curious to see what some of these lists that placed at uh, Battle for Salvation, some of these other events are, are looking like, but um, as it stands right now, I am not seeing lists that can consistently, you know, go 55% or better against some of the flavors of Space Marines. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one thing uh, recent Frank even talking a lot is that Tau get really, really beat by specifically Iron Hands of all flavors. And I think like the Iron Stone. I think stuff, White Scars um, also, but through. yeah, the yeah. stopping Tau White from falling yeah. back is devastating. They can't live through the game yeah. if you do that to them. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm definitely in agreement with you there. There's, there's. Um, we need to look to uh, guys like Richard Siegler and uh, one who I think actually moved to Space Marine, so maybe don't look yeah, to Richard. Yeah, <laughs> see, and that's the thing we're seeing that really worries me is we're seeing a lot of these very good players move to Space Marines. So maybe there is a solution yeah. out there, but no yeah, one's so, looking um, for it. Good. All right. Uh, what I've been working on with uh, my Raven Guard is um, <clears throat> I, I've basically uh, Raven Guard are really the, the shiftiest faction. They they have access to deep strike anything. Um, they have the Master of Ambush trait with which combined with the Lord of Deceit Warlord trait lets you you know infiltrate slash redeploy up to four units. Oh, uh, three of them being Phobos units. Um, and then uh, they just get access to a lot of really good anti-character shooting, obviously, with the plus one hit, plus one wound characters. And the plus one hit, plus one characters also makes their army the army really good at killing knights, which I definitely don't see people moving away from a ton. Crash Crusaders are still pretty good at killing Iron Hands. Um, I've seen some knight lists do really well against Iron Hands. They're obviously not the best, and they, they don't have like a huge win percentage. Um, but I definitely see people trying to bring more knights. Um, and so I'm trying to find the right mix of of being able to get shifty and hide my models against an Iron Hands list to be able to take out their key characters and still cover the board and then threaten 
things that like like with uh threaten their army with like assault centurions coming out of reserve or maybe like nine melta guns in a drop pod or, or just something right and so that's kind of i'm working on like a really shifty raven guard list uh, specifically a raptors list because i i think isonod's really good right now with the plus one to charge and the deep striking three infantry units that lets you hide a lot of your models while up to half your army with raven guard so that's what i've been working on that and i don't want to play iron hands or white scars <laughs> no way uh, also pro tip for all of uh, pro market tip for all of you buy your primaris flamer aggressors the the easy to build versions on games workshop no reason just buy them <laughs> they're cheap all right <clears throat> let's might, go ahead and uh, uh, may as well base coat them green while you're at it uh, yeah you can do that too I, I mean i would base coat them like pink or some sort of you know non-chapter specific color but but green works too i think that is definitely one of the number one tips for any person who's starting space marines just paint them a color that has no distinct chapter markings whatsoever so you can just plug them into whatever the coolest thing is at that very moment yeah. in time it's it's a thing now i mean and a lot of factions are like that right now you know they but um, specifically Space Marines, because they've been doing it the longest. Um, all right. Uh, so that's it for the episode. Um, as always, at the end of every episode, we like to answer some questions from the patrons. So if you'd like to ask us a question that we answer live on the episode, on the show, uh, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and support the show with a standard Patreon submission. Okay. Uh, first thing. Uh, Owen wants to know, are we subconsciously bummed about Iron Hands because it shows just how much less skew game that we wish was defined by player skill? Um, b- basically, I think you're wrong, Owen. I I'll think... answer that question. Ahead, I think we all have a bit of post-traumatic stress disorder from uh, all the horror stories that we hear from Unbalanced in the game. And I think that it's just like, we're all like, ah, it's like we're at first that reaction is. And yes, player skill has a lot to do with it. But when a lot of the top players go with one specific type of list, it does tend to skew it as well. Hmm. Uh, patron Kelsey wants, suggests that we limit flyers to three period and that that would solve the Iron Hands and the Eldari Air Force problem. Um, what do you think about maybe limit? And he means specifically like zoom aircraft flyers, not just things with the flight keyword. And by the way, I'm gonna push this push this again. Repulsa shouldn't have the flight keyword at all. Just I'll explain that later. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a lot of shouldn'ts, but they do. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot. I just forgot. I had that in my notes. I completely forgot yeah. to mention it. Um, but you yeah. know what shouldn't happen? Mm. Pineapple on pizza. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Gar- oh, I get it. We have a small <laughs> child in our presence. Pineapple on. <laughs> no, no. I, I love I love Hawaiian pizza. That's like my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's it's the Canadian bacon, right? You just take the pineapple off. And anyways, uh, what do you think about what do you think about Kelsey's suggestion to limit it to limiting three flyers to an army period? So maybe. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, d- me personally, I. <sighs> I I feel like you don't really need more than three. Like, are they going to change it? I doubt it. Would it be something that goes to, like, no, I don't think they'll change it. Um, Do I think it should be a thing? No, I just think there should be things in the game that can deal better with flyers. Yeah, flyers have been kind of an awkward point of design for GW. And people really, really don't like them, even when they're not all that powerful. Um... Because, like, really early in the game, when, like, there was the whole, like, Storm Ravens thing early in 8th edition here, um, that list wasn't 
actually doing that well, but GW hit it with the hammer almost immediately because people really didn't mm-hmm. like it. Uh, and I think that's more the case here. Is like people really don't like the flyer lists. It's it's honestly not the list I'm worried about at this point. Uh, the Iron Hands version, maybe, but I think there may be other versions that are still better. But I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I agree that I would hope the game would get to a place where that would not be necessary rather than limiting the choices you can make when bringing your army. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. generally a better system of game design is make it better. And it comes back to that whole, sorry. Uh, no, sorry, go ahead. Um, that, no, that no interaction philosophy, yeah. right? Like um, some armies just have a hard time interacting with the flyers. And they've they've made that better since seventh. Now that you're allowed to assault them with fly units at least, but it is still a problem in the way the game is designed. Yeah. Um. Uh. Next question, uh, specifically for me, but uh, I can open up to the rest of you as well. Uh, what is wrong with 40k today in its current state that you think needs fixing, other than balancing of codexes? So, like, just the general state of 40k that. Something small that you think might need no, fixing. Something small. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the fly keyword, but you know, that's the that's the cop out answer. Uh, I'm going to give a real simple answer. The game takes too long. It needs to be quicker. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Scary and Brandon. Mm. Honestly, I think that you should just like button down the hatches, play the game, and then as it goes, it'll go. Hmm. Beautiful. Game's perfect. Nothing needs to be changed. <laughs> Not perfect. <laughs> I said, I said, take your, uh, if anybody's a Robin Williams fan, your, your F it all pill and just chill. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, My assessment would be more units need weaknesses so mm. that players always have some ability that they can use to balance the game again. So, for example, uh, when you look at vehicles without the fly keyword that are shooting based, uh, if a little grot happens to pile into it, it can't shoot next turn. That's great for making fun to play games that are really back and forth because it it rewards players for altering the game state into their favor. If you have units that don't have weaknesses like that, then it makes it less enjoyable because it turns into, I throw more dice than you and I win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Byron wants to know if GW is going to continue pushing new models and creating power creep, does it fall to TOs to balance the game? And would players accept those certain models and rules being banned from any format? Would players accept that? I um, think we covered this. Yeah. I think I we think did too. That was, uh, do you, that was do you part think, of the discussion. Do you think the community would be open to banning, gentlemen? I don't think so. I think yeah. they'd hate it. I don't think they'd like it, but opinions. sometimes it's a lesser of two evils situation. Um, it's a last resort. Yeah. Uh, the thing I will point out here is the assumption that there is consistent and major power creep in the game. Um, that's a whole episode of discussion worth on its own, but I just want to point out that there's a difference between power creep and power normalization. Um Power creep is when things consistently get more powerful over time. Power normalization is where things are brought towards the middle, which does mean bringing up the lower end. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Patron Monsi wants to know, um, <clears throat> to, uh, how much extra damage would Dire Avengers have to go 
have to do to go from met to actually threatening enough to use, or is he approaching unit evaluation the completely wrong way? I think Dire Avengers aren't that far off being usable. Um, especially with the new uh, aspect traits, there's a couple of them that are actually pretty good and that combine with some of the craft world stuff in a very useful way. Um, they're just a smidge below being good right now, I think. He also brings up an interesting point. Um, he doesn't think that, that any change of space ring fixes are the real problem. Uh, and the, the actual real problem is that 40K is becoming a modern competitive game. And modern competitive games require more frequent balancing updates uh, that impact the whole game. Um, so do you think that maybe GW can release these kind of rules and it'd be okay if we had like a once a month FAQ that, that addressed like very specific things like this? Do you think that might be that might be a good way to operate the game, um, or do you think the two big FAQs was the chapter approved? Is like that's that's it. Once a month might be a little more than necessary. I would kind of like to see it be quarterly, um, mm. because six months is a really long time in terms of letting the meta adapt and letting people fall out of playing the game. If they did go into a more frequent way of doing updates, they'd have to find a way to sort of consolidate these updates better than they have or to sort of direct people to like an indexing of all the changes that have been done over time. Because as it stands right now, you know, you're looking at the main rule book. But wait, the game we're playing right now is not nearly what the main rule book is or was when yeah. it was released three years ago. You know, you've got chapter proof this, chapter proof that, chapter proof that, every single FAQ. And then you've got FAQs not only for your main core rule book, but your supplement for Vigilus, for like all these different things that you can, that can be anything from changing the cost of a stratagem to changing the wording on a stratagem. Yeah. And that in and of itself can be confusing to a new person. So yeah. to that point, I'd like to humbly suggest for anyone from Games Workshop who's listening, uh, I'm currently looking at a seven inch tablet online that you can get for $50, mm-hmm. which is pretty comparable to a codex price. So if we're going to do quarterly updates, why not have a digital version of the codex that's a living document? So if you're going to update it that frequently, I don't have to read through all these FAQs. You can just update the digital document. You can still have the FAQ for people who want to continue using their prized paper tomes. I, I like paper tomes too. But for those of us who don't want to read through all these pages of facts to figure out interactions between charging and the fly keyword, <laughs> have a living digital document that always has the latest and greatest rules in it. Yeah. Because um, mm. digital updates make it so you can update these rules really quickly. Uh, and you I'll don't even... have to send stuff to the printer and then wait six months for the meta to settle. Yeah. I'll even do you one better. GW, this one's free free consult don't worry about it call it microsoft or apple get them to make you a tablet that has all the rules on it mm. uh, that the updates sell it on your website with a big old marnius calgar in the back and then boom problem i don't solved. think not enough pri- proprietary technology is the ga- problem the game is suffering from right now <laughs> no, but i no. do i'm 100 percent behind a move towards digital as the standard uh because i i, I think we're I mean, it, we're, it's 2019, almost everyone has a smartphone or a tablet or a netpad or both. That Like, it's really, there's no excuse for the game to be exclusively paper still. Yeah, 
it's it's pretty much everyone but Reese. Yeah. And don't worry, <laughs> I'll take care of him. He's he'll be fine. <laughs> don't don't be afraid to move on for Reese. But you can start by making it an optional thing, so you still have paper codexes for all the diehard graybeards who want to keep thumbing through their codex. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, come up with a payment plan so that digital makes sense for players, and then you can continue updating the rules as often as you want for the digital players, and they'll always have access to the latest and greatest yeah. rules. R rules by subscription yep. is, I think, a thing a lot of us would be perfectly okay with. Um, the reason I don't buy very many digital codexes right now is because they're more expensive than the physical version. That's absurd. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, moving on to uh, patron Josh, who's also a new patron, by the way. Thank you so much for signing up this month, Josh. Um, while everyone seems to be worrying about the power level of Space Marines, do we think Space Marines will be top tier in the meta for a long time, or is this just another cycle of power creep, and we will see the effect of other codexes coming very soon with the addition of, like, Psychic Awakening and stuff? Are Space Marines here to stay? Uh, I can't say what the future releases beyond what's come out now are going to be like, but I'll tell you now, Psychic Awakening does not solve Space Marines. Yeah, and uh, I'm worried that when Sisters come out, they'll be excellent in the fluff, but they're not going to be approaching Space Marine power level just because it's that good. Yeah. But again, all that remains to be seen. Uh, we don't know if this is an intentional new direction and the game is going to be re-centered around the Space Marine power level, or if GW um, thought that Space Marines were excellent, but didn't quite realize how excellent. So right now... That's a great question. My personal opinion is it's the second one, and we'll see a return to a more 8th edition level of power probably within four to nine months. Hmm. Nine months is a long time to wait. <sighs> uh, well, in this, in this, as Brandon was saying, like for us who've been, who've been playing since 3rd edition, where we had armies that were good for years at a time, right? Or like specific builds that were just totally polarizing for quite a long while um you know I, I feel like yes we're gonna see some form of flavor of space marine be at the forefront of the discussion for the foreseeable future yeah yeah i, I think i think space marines are here to stay i i th personally think that um nothing gw has out then the pipe will will match space marines power level and then gw will very quickly see or if they haven't already we'll see how you know, much of an issue creating this powerful faction was and probably won't try to copy it. Um, so they'll probably spend, you know, the next six months to a year solving the Space Marine problem. Um, this is just my prediction. Um, uh, and we'll probably, you know, see them as being the top tier army for a while. They might they might even be like the new Eldar where they're good for like a couple years. Uh, okay. Um Dare, uh, Brett wants to know, uh, does Brandon foresee a changing of the guard for factions for 2020? Um, other than Space Marines, obviously, uh, do you see kind of a changing of the guard? Um, Eldar, people moving away from the usual suspects, Eldar, Tau, Gene Stealer, Colt, uh, and then maybe making the way for not only Space Marines, but other factions? Or is it going to stay kind of the same? That's an interesting question. I would say that um, because we still haven't seen the remaining Space Marine supplements... If nothing changes and there's no outside input, all of the inertia is telling us that the LVO finals will be eight Space Marine players. Hmm. Hmm. 
No, no. Don't say that. That's... But, again, a lot can happen between now and then. So, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that if nothing does, the meta is going to be Space Marines are Tier 1, and at best, everyone else is Tier 2. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, Nathan Nathaniel wants to know: uh, Do we think the delay in the Iron Hands FAQ means that GW will be making some balance changes or nothing at all? I think it means that GW will be making some balance changes. I I don't Nathaniel. know. And then, uh, well, they've they've been late before and, and yeah. done absolutely yeah. nothing. It's true. Um, I like to be optimistic and think that they're waiting for things like my podcast because it's that popular. Clearly, um, <laughs> that's obviously <laughs> that's obviously not true. But I like to think that at least. Um, I, I think that they're they're taking this seriously personally to, to answer your question seriously, um, uh, Nathaniel. And then the second less serious question that he gets to ask um, is, "What's your favorite unit from each of the three umbrella factions?" And I'll opt out of this one. Um, uh, chaos. He means Zeanos, Chaos, and Imperium. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, huh. Scary, what's your favorite? What's your favorite from Zenos, Scary? I think it's simple. Dark your favorite unit? All of it. All of the Dark yep. Elder. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> no, my favorite, like, specific unit would have to be the Ravager. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sean? Um, For Xenos, that's pretty hard. I really like Piranhas, even though they're not very good and they never have been. I have way too many Piranhas. Um, For Imperium? Yeah probably the Calidus assassin she's got a fun story and pretty neat rules and chaos no contest noise marines noise marines are the most 40k unit huh uh brandon uh for imperium hands down the guardsman (laughs) best unit in 40k it's pretty good by far (laughs) Conscripts or infantry squads? Just an infantry squad. Fair enough. Pile of guts armed with a mm-hmm. flashlight. <laughs> Go to the front line, <laughs> yep. folks. Send to the next wave. Yeah. So nothing gets much more 40k than that. Uh, when it comes to Xenos, I'm definitely a fan of Tau still, so I'd have to go with the uh, Crisis suit with the Stealth suit. So the Stealth mm. suits are my favorite for Tau. Um, and for Chaos, gosh, it doesn't get much more 40k than the... Uh, if I had to go with it, chaos. I'm not so sure because they have so much good stuff, but none of it appeals to me from a a, a gut level. So I'm just gonna have to go with the Lord Discordant because his model is so metal. <laughs> he was metal. up there on as my for choices, Imperium. <laughs> as for Imperium, Land Raider Crusader is still one of the iconic loves of my life. Love that miniature. You mean a brick that's on fire? That is still has the metal sponsors because <laughs> it was the second tank oh I my. ever owned. And it still goes on the table and still crushes it. Nice. And keeps my centurions alive. <laughs> there you go. Um <clears throat> I like I like uh Calgar and the Swarm Lord. <laughs> love them a whole bunch. Um and then I hate all the chaos units. <clears throat> I'm just joking. I love Nurglings. They're the best. They throw poop at you. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, uh, Joseph wants a short semantics discussion. So uh, a short definition, 
not discussion, uh, Brandon, I'm amending that, meaning of the word initiative. Um, he's heard Brandon talk about it on several pos- uh, podcasts and talk about the concept of initiative. For for the uninitiated, Brandon, really quick, what is initiative? Um, initiative is the concept, and I think I saw this question. Let me pull it up here. So initiative is the concept of which player needs to take action in order to change the game state to win. So if you're winning the game, you don't have the initiative in my world because you don't need to do anything. If you just continue playing the game out without changing the game state, you will win. So if you do have the initiative, you should be taking risks. You should look for plays that you can alter the game state with, and you should be aggressive to to turn the game around. So for example, if you're Gene Steeler Cult, in the start of the game, your opponent usually has the initiative because you're like, I have so much stuff in the, in the sky, you need to figure out how to not die, so good luck. And um, once the Gene Stealers are committed, then their opponent has the initiative because it's, okay, if I don't kill all these Gene Stealers, they're going to kill me. What do I do now? Um, so it's this back and forth of, okay, I need to set things up this way to change the game state so I'm winning. Um, and it doesn't sound like it's appropriate, I guess, was the question, because it's like, initiative, that's the player who's winning, right? No, because the player who's winning doesn't need to do anything. They just need to keep playing the game as it is. So that's not to say the player who's winning isn't taking actions. Like, sure, you're going to continue shooting, you're going to continue moving, but you're in a good position. You don't need to take any risks. You don't need to be thinking too hard about what's going on, other than what's my opponent going to try and do to change the game. Sorry. Sorry. Everything is a dissertation with me. Yeah. No, That's it's it's actually a really important subject. Um, we we talked about it on In the Finest Hour. We had a whole episode on that, which I don't think we even came close to covering the subject. But uh, if you check out Attacker versus Defender, we had we talked a whole bunch about what that means and how it should affect your gameplay. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm seeing a very common trend uh, from the patrons and in general from people emailing to the podcast is everyone wants to know how to beat Iron Hands. Um, that was going to be the main subject of last episode, which is the last episode, which we do get into that more on that episode in particular. Um, but uh, it's not something I wanted to bring up for this episode because we don't have a list planned for. So it's a lot harder for us to talk about what to beat um, when we don't have a list planned for. And there's just so much, there's so many good things going for Iron Hands right now that uh, it, to talk about it, I, I would, we might give you a lot of false information or a lot of, meh, if you had the right terrain, you could do this information. Um, so I wanted to wait on an episode like that, but an episode like that is coming, I promise. It's just, maybe it won't be this episode as much. But we did talk a little bit about our lists and stuff and, and how we were going to, planning on tackling the meta that way. Um, and then uh, final questions. Um, do we have any heuristic or mental shortcuts that we use while playing, um, i.e. shooting your high-strength damage weapons at large, tough targets? Um, just mental shortcuts that make yourself better at the game? Any small little thing like that? Oh, absolutely. You need to math out what every unit in the game is expected to do against the units you expect to go up against, so you know exactly approximately how many first-rank firing, second-rank firing LAS guns you need to take down a unit of Space Marines. Another thing you need to do is create mental fortitude to remember the little things late game. A lot of people play one or two turns and then they re-rack, but a lot of the best games of 40k and competitive players will win the game with three models left at the end of turn six. 
So you have to have the mental fortitude to play the game out to its conclusion and learn what your army is capable of doing in different scenarios, no matter how dire the circumstances. Yeah. Um, it, for me, it's a lot of uh, building good habits. So even if you're doing a practice game, like don't do a lot of take backs. Don't, oh, I actually meant to do this and all that sort of thing, because you're not going to get away with that in a tournament, not when it matters. Um, so build a set of good and consistent habits, whatever that may take, uh, and that's going to aid you a lot in playing your games. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, one thing one thing that I like to do to not forget things is I like to make sure to, to interact with all of my units, um, all of my available units, even the ones in Deep Strike. So, like, during the movement phase, I'll make sure to touch, like, every unit, even if it's just to clarify, like, you're not moving, Whirlwind Scorpius. Um, just always, you know, be aware of, of what units you're moving, why you're moving, and what their role is, ultimately. Um, I just, I've had a lot of problems with forgetting specific units or forgetting to do things. Um, so, I just like to make it a habit of just always interacting with all my models to make sure I know where they all are. All right, uh, that's it, everyone. That's the end of the episode. Uh, let us know if you have any questions about, uh, you know, game design or, or if you have any comments or ideas that you think uh, you, you know or that we didn't talk about to fix the game. Maybe if you don't even agree with us, maybe if you think that Iron Hands are perfectly fine, whatever, put those in the comments down below. You can find us on YouTube, FrontlineGaming.org, wherever you can find podcasts and all that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to catch Mr... Scary from Scardcast. Scary, where can they find you? You can head on over to YouTube and type in Scardcast and watch all the wonderful videos. And that's Scardcast, S-K-A-R-E-D, cast. C-A-S-T, that's right. Yeah. Are you going to have any special Halloween stuff, like Scared Cast? Uh, maybe. Might be too scary for Ooh. some of you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, and if you want to hear a little bit more about Sean and his great takes on the game, including his awesome article he put on FrontlineGaming.org that I thought was was an absolute hoot. Uh, Sean, where can they catch you out? Catch, catch you? Uh, I'm, catch aside you? from the, the weekly articles I do for Frontline, uh, we also have a bi-weekly podcast in the finest hour, uh, and you can find that either on Podbean or on Facebook, or you can check us out on Patreon, where we have a exclusive group and everything you can do there. Oh, and the I just realized you don't have it's almost a week. I'm talking about the how much we should how much slack we should cut Games Workshop yes, article. Yes, uh, talking about Iron yeah. Hands and kind of where the game is going forward from now. It's gotten a lot of responses yeah. from people one way or the other. Really, it's almost been a week. Anyways, uh, and then Brandon Grant, you can find him um, all over the web doing Brandon Grant things. <laughs> yep, you can check out the Knights of the Game Table for my latest one. Hmm. That's true. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You're all the best listeners in the world. And as always, have a good one. Bye. Good night, everyone.